This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to the MK1 podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes dons. Well, the unbeaten streak continues, not the winning streak, but we'll, we'll take an unbeaten streak, uh, going away to Wickham and getting a, a much needed point in the uh, the fight to stay in League One for next season. Um, Joe, how are we, mate? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all good. I can't complain. Uh, yourself? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Been a been a busy been a busy week, um, but you know we're, we're plowing through. Obviously, it's a short week this week with uh, the e- yeah. e- Good Friday and Easter Monday going on. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's a four day week with uh, the same amount of work for me that needs to be done in that week. So um, yeah, all, all good fun. And we're joined by Ross. How are we, mate? Yeah, uh, software issues already. Me and technology do not go together. I've just figured that one out. I've grew a, fruit, a few grey hairs since just uh, opened up this Zoom call already. I think uh, I think you and Don set peace defending, mate, go hand in hand in terms of software, software issues because uh, <laughs> check out that later on. Um, but yeah, I mean, as we were saying, you know, I think a solid point away at Wickham considering where they are in the league. Um, some of your three-word reviews, uh, obviously... I'm sure a few comments have come about uh, David Bloody Wheeler um, from Will. And yeah, I, I share that comment. Um, of course, the, the red smoke bomb came out uh, from, and Chris mentioned that, which is, uh, is always nice to see, of course. Um, and yeah, I mean, Albie mentioned we'll take it. And that's kind of my my stance in all terms of the game overall. You know, I didn't expect much from the game. Um, we know how Wickham are. They like to rough teams up a bit. They're not exactly the, they're not exactly playing the MK way when they come and play us for sure in terms of passing around uh, the pitch and all that jazz. But I thought the lads coped pretty well with it, to be fair. Um, obviously take the lead through Dan Harvey, um, a bit of a numbers in the box situation, but we've been crying out for it for weeks and, you know, we were the beneficiaries and Dan was the beneficiary of getting that opening goal there. Um, and yeah, I mean, that, I mean, Wickham's two goals after that was just, was just set piece defending. I mean, unfortunately both saw with David Wheeler um, one time it was just not clearing uh, the box well enough, and then the other time was just poor marking. Um, you know, if if you watch, I know people don't really like his YouTube channel, but if you watch Tapasoli's YouTube channel, every single game 
it's always just bunching players together and making sure either him or Wheeler just get to the back post so they can head it. And that's exactly what happened for the first goal. Um, I understand it's different to see it in like analysis compared to the game, but yeah, to let it happen was pretty poor. Uh, but fortunately, uh, a moment of magic from Jonathan Lecco gave us the point away. And uh, I think Joe overall, you know, we're five points clear at the moment. We're, we've got some 10 points from the last four, but overall on the Wickham game, um, I, I was fairly happy with it. I mean, yeah, for my free word, it would be another point gained. Is that, you know, it, it, it's just just like the others said, it's just a, you know, the unbeaten run continues and onward, onwards we move. And um, it, I, I think probably a draw was the fair result, to be honest. Um, they had some stuff in open play, which maybe we didn't deal with as well. Um, both of our goals were from open play, which was nice to see. And we actually scored both times when we were actually on top for a little period. Um you know, I think we started really well. Like we were getting into them, um, and I think it's just a little bit in the final third. You know, just that little um, sort of just that clinical edge. Um, but we managed to to actually be ruthless, and which is maybe what we lacked in previous games. And you know, I think we actually mentioned that. I don't think scoring is the problem now because we saw. You know, we caused Bolton issues. Uh, we caused Bristol Rovers issues. We caused caused Plymouth issues away from home. We caused uh, Sheffield Wednesday issues away from home. It was just one: can we take our chances, and two: can we make sure we don't concede any stupid goals? Um, and I guess the answer to one of them is yes, and one of them is no. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think it's um, I think it's a sign of progression, if anything, though, because you know at Wickham we did we didn't crumble like maybe we would have before. Um, we created some decent chances ourselves and actually took a couple. Um, just just let ourselves down slightly um, in terms of the set-piece defending. Um, but definitely something we can take and move on and uh, you keep keep the unbeaten run going. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, yeah, I say that unbeaten run is well, a fairly impressive one if we can keep it going over the Easter break. But um, yeah, at the moment, four, four games in beaten and um, yeah, Rossa... And as Joe put, another point gained on the road. Yeah, I thought it was quite an entertaining game for what it was. I didn't expect um, Wickham to create as much as what they did. Um, but also at the same time, I think we gave them a proper game of it. Um, going into that game, I, I was pretty negative uh, just because of obviously a recent record there. I know we obviously won 1-0, but just to play off games and um, I, just in general, I, I, a record at Adams Park it isn't great. Um, but obviously going into the, into that, I did say a point would be good enough, um, and we got the point. Um, but as both you you lads have mentioned, there's some been some really encouraging signs in obviously that draw, um, defensively and going forward. But I think I think as we all know that both those goals are preventable goals, and it's just simple things like just not marking the runner like. Wheeler at the back post, probably one of the best headers headers in the team. Um, left pr- pretty much from point blank range and open goal as such, um, or a free header as such. Um, and yeah, it's one nil one nil up, and you're thinking, well, hold uh, one all, sorry, and you're thinking, well, hold on. Um, you question the defending, etc. I did feel like, especially Stewart, um, he grew into the game that first twenty minutes. He did struggle. With physically, um, but as I say, you expect him to grow into these sort of games. And I was surprised to see him start, obviously, with 
Jackson saying he wouldn't rush him. And then all of a sudden, I think he played the full 90. Um, yeah, so it was a bit of a curveball, but obviously he didn't want to play he didn't want to uh play into Wickham's tactics. But yeah, overall the day out the day out was good and um I mean the parking for Wickham Wickham Wanderers it gets even worse and worse each time I go, but I think you've got to park out about twenty five minutes outside the ground just to to get at, just to get out really. I th- I think we were still stuck in traffic, but we stopped off at the, this lovely country pub, had a few beers there. And um, we made our way home. So, uh, yeah, overall, a decent day out. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not a big fan of High Wickham. I think it's an absolute tip, to be fair. But, yeah, no, it was a, it was nice to take something from there for once, as opposed to uh, previous visits. But you mentioned you mentioned Stuart, Ross. I mean, Joe, how did you find Andy Stuart? As, as Ross mentioned, his debut for the club, played the full 90. Overall, I thought he, he, he grew into the game. He had a bit of shaky start, but overall, I thought he looked solid. Yeah, I think I think that's all we all we ne- really needed from him. Uh, uh, he was solid. He dealt with pretty much everything that came towards him. Um, okay, there were moments where you, he looked a little bit off the pace and maybe in possession as, t- as such. It was a bit more, you know, maybe he looked, at times he looked like he was still playing for Wickham with how he was dealing with balls at the back. But um, no, I think he's he's one of them defenders that he defends first and then you know worries about what's going to come and. I think in our predicament, you know, it's um, it will be useful to have that sort of player. I think, especially with the games coming up this weekend, I would be gobsmacked if he does play ninety in both of them. But I think, you know, when you're under siege a little bit, he he could be the sort of player that you want to help hold on to something because you know we know we've got a bit of firepower now in our team. So um, yeah, I think he's the sort of player where you know in the trenches he's not going to make it easy for anyone really. Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, I said as 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 Ross was, I was, I was very surprised to see him even you know, on in the matchday squad, let alone um start the game. But yeah, I, I was I was fairly impressed to be fair. I mean, obviously, he's part of this wicked team last season that were one game away from uh, Championship football last year, of course. So, you know, he's the type of player that you you want in the in, at the club this season, next season, moving forward. I know, yeah, there's rough patch Aberdeen, but I think every club has a every player has a bad patch of certain clubs and bounces back from it and uh yeah no it's good to see him another option at the back which you desperately need for months and months so uh yeah no fair play to him play well i mean at, at stadium mk as well we've seen um how sweetly he can strike a ball especially when it's on, on the end of a five-year-old's poor face <sighs> yeah well i'm sure he's looking forward to his return to uh stadium mk against portsmouth on, free, uh, on good friday i'm, I'm he can't wait for that yeah keep an eye out overall <laughs> Um, another experienced player who I thought had another fantastic game against Wickham was uh, was JMC Josh McEachern. Um, again, another really solid game, you know. And I think he had a bit of creativity for this game also with two key passes. Um, but overall, you know, on, on where it comes to defensively, um, passing the football, um, and this general like just being around the pitch the whole time, um, I think he is really benefiting from that back three setup and one lot of course that he was used to a lot last season. Ross and uh, again another steady Eddie performance from Josh. I think you notice, especially in that first half, the amount of times Harvey and Watson got out of their man or Lecco got out wide and McEachern was just spraying the balls out wide, making the pitch as big as we possibly could. Because obviously it didn't it didn't suit Wickham's obviously tactics. And um we were proper stretching them. That's why we we did create the goal in the end, was because we stretched, went to the byline and we, obviously we had the wing backs um 
late runners as such into the box. Um, but I think McEachran, he's one, he's one of those. He, he doesn't mind doing the, the dirty side of the game, I've noticed as well. And he just doesn't doesn't mind getting stuck in. Yeah, he might not be the most physical of players, but he'll give 110% in the middle of the park. And that's what we know um, with Josh. We mentioned about his consistency or performance um, in recent weeks, about how he's just churning about churn out um, about seven out of ten performances each week. And at the moment, that's what's getting us over the line. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, um, his last performance at Adams Park was a one to forget for him, of course. Um, so he had, he had the demons to get over there and um, put in a decent performance. And uh, yeah, I felt we did well, actually, overall. And was definitely one of the better players on the day. Um, another player who was highlighted quite a few times, actually, in terms of his performance on Saturday was Daniel Harvey. Um, I know I know a player with us three have had a lot of like to and fro on in terms of our opinions on him. Um, you know, Jonathan mentioned about Dan Harvey being back and it felt like the kind of game that he'd suit, you know, with the likes of Grimmer, um, Tafazoli, people like that, you know, ultimately players who are going to rough you up a little bit. I think that's Dan Harvey's game, isn't it, really? He loves a challenge. He loves a little scrap with the, the opposition team. And uh, yeah, I think overall he enjoyed it and he backed up a pretty solid performance also. Um, you know, his, I think he was getting at the pitch a fair bit. His, his jewels were pretty solid in terms of numbers and... I think with isn't there a player who Joey's probably benefited from, you know, Louis coming back in terms of that stability at the back and having that cover should he bomb forward. And of course he got a goal, so happy days. Yeah, I, I do think so. But I, then I also think that at Port Vale and Lincoln, he was one of the few players that actually could come away with any redeeming um, sort of, uh, with the, one of the only players that you could actually not slag off, so to speak. I think, you know, at times this season, he's been one of the only players that's actually stood up. People may, you know, lament his lack of, you know, maybe he might not have the highest ceiling in the squad, but he's certainly not got the lowest floor. We've, I, and this is one thing I, you know, I've, I've always been quite defensive about Daniel Harvey, and I think it very much is a case of be careful what you wish for at times. Um, you know, we're, we're not expecting him to be. I don't know, the second coming of Iron Robin down the left. But I think that's what some people maybe are expecting. And he's always been solid. He's always, um, if you want, you know, put in a shift and et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Um, but yeah, it's just, and now he's starting to actually get those goal contributions. And, you know, he, this season, three goals and two assists in 30 games or so, it's um, it, it's, it's decent. Um, and he's actually got two, I think it's... Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it was, that was that's in his last two games. Um, and unlike football, but in the last six games, I know you can't really go too much off these ratings, but his last six games, he's he's had um over a seven in five out of the games, um, in in terms of match rating. So yeah, he's just been really solid. You know, he's on the pitch for ninety minutes every game. He puts in a hell of a lot of yards, and um, yeah, you know, good on him because. I think a lot of the stick he's had is really unjust and I think there's plenty of other players that should be looked at first before looking at replacing him. Hey, in terms of those player ratings, I put too much slack on them. The club clearly loves them because they uh, tweeted out about Magoma's player ratings the other day. So uh must hold some weight. But, I mean, Dan Harvey, Ross, what did you think to him on Saturday? Obviously, as as Joe mentioned, you know, a player who's potentially had a bit of a revival toward the past month or so, but I thought he was pretty solid on Saturday. Yeah, he was. He was. He was. He was really good. As I say, probably one of the better players on the pitch again. Um, 
Oh, oh, oh. Joe, Joe says about fans obviously criticising. I, I won't, I won't say I, I haven't because of at times this season I've been so frustrated by him. But that's not a case of just because I hate him individually. That's just because I, I, I genuinely want the best for the lad. Um, the way he's, the way he talks, you can, you can see that he, he has the club at heart, and you could obviously tell that by obviously his contract extension, um, not so long ago. I think it was about what six months ago now. Um, and yeah, you, you you can see that obviously he cares about the club and he he wants to stay here. Um, well, it seems for long term. Um, but just speaking about his performances, yeah, they are. He, he's grinding away and he's he's just just doing his job and he's he's focusing on himself and he has talked about obviously, um, how he needs to get more goal goal involvements etc. Um, but obviously. If we talk about obviously wing, the wing backs, obviously Tanai needs to get get further forward and start contributing. So um, as I say, I'm I've got nothing to complain about with Harvey. As I say, since Port Vale, like you boys have said, his his, his performances have gone up a, a level, which which has been needed. Um, and it's just a case of obviously he, he's looked a lot more assured at the back defensively with Louis alongside him. Yeah, absolutely. Long may it continue, obviously, with these sort of final six, seven games to go in the league where we've got some pretty pretty tough teams to play, let's say, let's say that. Um, final player before we talk about just general topics, uh, Jonathan Lecco. Um, I'll tell you what, he's a real live wire, isn't he? Uh, he can go from literally just being the most ridiculous player in the world, like getting red cards, doing step-overs, like I said like I said down the pocket, it's like it's Fever Street or something, and it's in the corner of step-overs. And then I'll take on three people and score in the bottom corner to get you a point. It's just ridiculous. But for a 23-year-old Joe, who obviously we got going from Birmingham and he's got all the potential in the world, but if he could literally just focus on what he's good at, he'd be an amazing player. Yeah, he was... He, I've just realised this. I didn't realise it was that bad. He committed six fouls on Saturday. Um, he was involved in 17 ground duels, winning only six. Um, he was everywhere, and he really put in a shift. And he, going forward, he had some real sublime moments where he, I think he he set up a couple of chances, um, like a couple of really nice crosses, um, things like that. And then, and then he he had yes, so he attempted ten dribbles and was successful with six of those. Um, he he was just a mental performance, but. As you say, some of it was utter diabolical crap, but some of it was absolutely world, you know, like it belonged in the Premier League, some of it. And um, yeah, like his persistence with the goal and the patience, you know, and how often have we said, you know, players are too scared to try and uh, to try and shoot from there? You know, how often would we have maybe seen if players weren't confident, that ball just being passed back and passed out wide and then we cross it and then cross gets cleared. Well, no, he, he he was like, you know what, I'm, I'm confident here and I'm going to give that a go. And not all the time, they don't always go in those ones. It wasn't, it was a decent shot, but it got a lucky deflection. Well, I say deflection, it got a, a little touch that I think helped it on its way as such. It was on target, so it wasn't an own goal. Um, but, you know, you make your own luck and he, he plugged away all day. You can't criticise his effort. That's one thing that you, you know, you, you'd be... Um, you, you, you just can't criticise the effort. It was absolutely phenomenal. Um, but yeah, as you said, the two sides, the sublime to the um, downright stupid. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, Ross, he'll be a player that is here next season, more than likely, unless he goes on a crazy scoring streak at the end of the season and um, maybe tracks suitors. But I think he's the type of player that we need moving forward, isn't he? You know, he's got something about him. You know, clearly, it's not the full product, the polished product yet, but there's something there. He's contributing to games, <laughs> good and bad. Um, and, you know, that that's what I want, really, isn't it, I'd say? Yeah, and he's a proper physical presence, especially in a game like that. Um, he was he, he was making himself known, getting at defenders. As you as you boys say, like he he reminded me of like Daniel Powell in the way like he tried to run through players and he was just like, really? It was just like, and then the ne- the next next attempt he'd run way past him and he'd be like, all right, okay, Leko's Leko's looking good now. And it's just like it's, it's such an on and off sort of player, but you need that sort of player because obviously on the counter attack. Just so he, he just looks so dangerous, and as you say, for that for that goal, yeah, did get a lucky deflection. But like Harvey was saying, like sometimes just getting a shot off, um, just it, it might fall into the back of the net, and it, it, luckily it did on Saturday. And I think he is guilty of that, just slightly overdoing it when it comes to the final action. But as you say, Liam, it, if these players were the finished product, they wouldn't be at League One le- level. So. I think what we've got to do over the next what six to twelve months is just fine tune him in the final third, and we've got one heck of a player um, alongside Mo up top, and I think it's just it's a great positive to going into next season knowing we've got someone like Leko who's dangerous going forward. Absolutely, mate. Um, yeah, really promising player, um, and hopefully that's the well. I'm sure that's always been a standard we wanted to recruit. But hopefully that's standard we do recruit moving forward. Um, oh, I mean, I, I hope I hope this next topic is a one-off from Saturday because my God, was it abysmal? The set piece defending, oh my God! Um, I think I think it's a classic example of you can do all the analysis you want in the training room, but ultimately, when it comes to match day, Wickham will just just bully you off the pitch in set pieces, and I'll just do what they want with you. And obviously, our, our team isn't the tallest anyway. You know, all of our centre backs are like what, maybe six foot less than six foot. And you got Tapazoli, who's like six six, absolute tree trunk of a man, just towering over all of them and doing what he wants essentially. Then you got David Wheeler being unmarked at the back post. I mean, Joe, I'm I'm hoping it's a one off from Saturday. Do you think it is? I mean, we Accrington posed a very similar threat and we dealt with it admirably. And that was with Tanai Watson, who's you know five eleven. Maybe I'm being harsh there. Yeah, as you say, borderline six foot. <laughs> um, I'm sure he's got that in his Tinder bio, hasn't he? Six foot. Um, but um, yeah, no, I think um, I don't. I'd like to think it's just Wickham being Wickham and just being absolutely exceptional in that area of the game. But let's not forget, you know, they've probably got one of the best set piece takers in Joe Jacobson as well. And David Wheeler, you know, he scored quite an important header for us, if you guys remember. Um, well, two actually. He scored Notts County and the Mansfield game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's done some favours. So, um, you know, for his size, because um, he, he, he is not over six foot, for his size, he is excellent in the air. Um, not sure about that celebration, though. Um, although I'm, I'm not going to be one of them salty fans and cry about it. He wasn't our player. He was a lone player. And if it was one of our players doing it to them, then I think we'd find it. If it was Stuart down the other end, I think we'd be saying how hilarious it was. So um, I'd like to think it's a blip. Um, again, Anthony Stewart, first game back. So you'd like to think, you know, 
and a few more games, you know, people just getting used to each other. I hope it's just that. I mean, Ross, ironically, maybe Zach Jules probably should have started this game because he might have been a bit better to deal with some of the Phillips set Behave, Liam, behave. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But no, I, I think overall, I think it is a blip, Ross, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure you agree, mate. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, it's their bread and butter at the end of the day. Um, but you still, you still got to have standards. The, the way that first goal went in, especially, um, that was just, it was just to say, just not tracking a man, man. And then on the second goal, we had numerous attempts to get to get rid of it, and we didn't. And I think, I think Wheeler had about what four or five men around him, and they all just watched him pull it away in the bottom corner. It's just like, well, hold up. Who's closing him down, or who's marking him, or, and I think well a pet peeve of mine. I don't I don't know whether you agree, Liam, but zonal marking. I'm not I'm not a big fan of it. I really am not. I think man marking is a is a huge thing, especially when you're playing the likes of Wickham because of if if let's just say zonal marking. If you've got Mo in the box and he's up against Tavazzoli, it's a complete mismatch. And this oh, yeah, is why exactly. stuff like this happens. I think you. Depending on the opposition you you play against, on their strengths and weaknesses, um, I personally believe man marking is the way forward. But I do see the the pros and cons to zonal. Obviously, you got your little box, and you that's your box, and then beyond that is someone else's responsibility. I do get that, but she, yeah, it's just a pet peeve of mine. I I prefer man marking. I think with the zonal, the you know maybe if you went man to man then. No matter, you know, because we don't have the biggest squad, you probably would end up with some mismatches. So you, I think what we maybe try to do is get the best people who are head, best people at heading the ball in the most dangerous areas, perhaps, um, and then maybe look dealt with it that way. But again, I'm not a defensive set-piece coach, so I'm just sort of freestyling. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think man-to-man works better if you've got the likes of Louis and Stuart who have the experience and can direct people about. Zonal's better if you've got a younger squad, um, particularly in the defence, where they're kind of looking to looking for instructions looking for what to do in that situation. Um, so they've probably been coached Zonal, and now they're going back to man-to-man. Um, and there'll be some teething for sure, and <laughs> a team like Wickham clearly will take advantage of that. Um, but... Yeah, you know, I think we, it, despite that, we still got a point there, so it, it's still a very good point, and it's and it's it's uh, something to build off, of course, and uh, going into Easter weekend and the rest of the season. Uh, before we get into Easter weekend, um, obviously, thanks everyone for giving us some topics to talk about over the next couple of weeks. But Albie raised a, an interesting one, which I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on. Um, and it's very clear if we stay up, by the way, not not when, um, if, because I think we still need six or eight points, in my opinion, to be fully like guaranteed. Um, but Albie mentioned, and I'll get all your guys' thoughts on this, do you think we do another season of rebuild, like who are under uh, the rush season? Um, I think it was COVID season, that wasn't it? Or do you reckon we're still attractive enough as a club for players to see as a potential, like, I mean, Al, we said playoff pushing side. I'd, I'd probably argue top half slash maybe um, not top 10, maybe. Um, and you mentioned also about obviously, you know, basically this time last year, we were pretty much on target to get promoted. So, Ross, do you reckon that that previous season still holds weight in, in players and agents' minds? Or do you reckon that this season and the sort of recency bias has more of a factor? Um, it's a bit of a weird one because of if, if you're looking at how much we spent, like obviously last summer, 
you, you'd say, well, look, hold on a minute. We, if we're spending that sort of money, um, we need to be looking at top 10 upwards. And that I don't care whether people tell me that there's Derby, Sheffield Wednesday in this league. If you spend that sort of money, you need to be top 10 at least. Um, obviously, we know we've underperformed this season. But in terms of Albie's question, that's a bit of a tough one, really, because of, again, it's it's it's, it's a case of what how many funds are available going into the summer or and the same factor of like as you say you don't know who's going to go out and who's going to come in sort of thing um but in terms of the targets i think it's just a case of i th- i don't feel like i'll be happy with anything below top half i th- i think yeah you i don't feel like we can say oh right next season we we can go for top 6 so I think I think that's an, just just unreasonable, just through where we are. We've we've seen how how much this team struggled at points this season, just through their age, experience, responsibilities. I just feel going into next season if we still have that same optimism, and yeah, we all dream, we we all have that optimism going into new seasons of getting promoted and all this and that. But the main thing for me is we we've got to massively improve. And I think that massively improvement is just building on it each year. So I'd say more of a rebuild more than anything, but I don't feel like we'll have loads of players coming through the door because I feel like we've already done that in previous seasons. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do believe top 10 ne- next season potentially on the cards, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think top 10's... Fairly reasonable. Obviously, last season we obviously this season, start of the season we thought the top ten, top six is reasonable, and look where we are now. But um, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of an attractiveness as a club for players, I, I think January proved that we still are. Um, I've, I've, I said on um, on another podcast to get the likes of Leko, Magoma, and Kai Kai in a team who was like twenty third, twenty second in the league doesn't happen really. Um, obviously, you know, all three players looking to prove a point and one was looking to step up from League Two to League One. Um, but they they really shouldn't be playing for us, particularly Kai Kai and Leko. They should be playing for top half teams in the league. Um, so the fact that we managed to get them um on free to both of them as well is uh, is a fairly nice coup. And again, you know, credit to Liam Sweetie on that front. But I mean, Joe, what do you reckon, mate? Do you reckon we're still an attractive a proposition for players? Yeah, I think um it's a weird one because I think last season we dramatically overachieved and this season we've dramatically underachieved in terms of where we should be. And where we should be is probably mid-table. You know, that's the budget. Because I think, you know, obviously you can, you can talk about transfer spends, but I think it's much more representative in terms of wage, wage spend. Because you look at um, like Sheffield Wednesday, they were able to get people like Will Volks in the door. Uh, Portsmouth were able to get people like Marlon Pack in the door. Um, I mean, Sheffield Wednesday were able to attract the two uh, two players from the Player of the Year from Rotherham to drop down a league, and they were three free transfers, and it was just about the wage offer. And I think Ipswich's um, accounts came out today, and their turnover is it's over double what ours is. Um, you know, and we it's just hard to <laughs> compete with that. Um, so I think you know anything if we do ever compete and whilst those sort of teams are in the league I think if we do ever compete for the playoffs we are overachieving um I think that um you know I think that maybe we maybe we go for 
less spent on fees and more spent, you know, less spent on youngsters and more spent on maybe, you know, your proven, if you want, League One players like your Lekos and your Kaikais and actually maybe spending more on the wages rather than the transfer fees. Because I think we pay the transfer fees on the likes of Dara Burns or um, Dawson Devoy. You, they're probably not on that high wages, but you pay the transfer fee because it's about the potential that you think they have, I guess. Um, it's yeah, it's a really interesting one. Um, I think we'll probably be if we if we do stay in League One. I think we'll probably stay around mid table, and I think that a lot of teams will probably view us as mid table. I think a lot of players probably will view us as mid table. I think you know. I don't think we'll have the same pulling power as one of the top teams, um, but ultimately, I think we're a bigger draw than a lot of teams in the bottom half. Like you know, uh, you know, I'd say we're maybe a bigger draw than a Port Vale or a, a Burton Albion, although they perform better on the on the on the pitch than us this season. Um, I think we're a bigger draw than them. You know, going into the summer, if we're all in League One and you offered to per- the player Port Vale, Burton Albion, and MK Dons, I think that you know. They choose MK Dons. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, and obviously that's what the Stadium MK gets you, isn't it? Yeah, that that kind of um, facility privilege, I suppose you want to call it. Um, so yeah, yeah, fair enough. Right, let's uh, let's start looking ahead to Easter. Obviously, two two massive games for the Dons um, will have impacts on both ends of the table, um, and we've got two opposition overviews for you, which is fantastic. So we'll kick off with Pompey on Friday. And I'll hand it over to myself and my, my chat with Fred from the Pure Forecast. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the Opposition Overview, where we take a look at MK Don's latest opponents. Uh, two of these this week, of course, with with Pompey uh, on Easter Friday or Good Friday, and then Derby on Easter Monday. Uh, and of course, whenever we get Pompey on the podcast, it's got to be the guys in the, the PO forecast. And we're delighted to be joined by Fred uh, from that podcast. So how are you doing, Fred? Oh, yeah, not so bad, Liam. Yeah, um, strange season so far. Uh, I think most sports thought the season was dead in January for Pompey with all the with the one win in 15 run and all the, all the other issues. Um, and yeah, it was just, and now all of a sudden we're three points of a playoff spot. It's absolutely mad, really. Yeah. It's, it's a crazy league one this season. Cause I think uh, after Port Vale, where we were thinking the same thing, we were like, bloody hell, like we're in trouble there. And you know, like four games and 10 points later, it's looking a little bit rosier in Milton Keynes, but I mean, chat to us about Pompey season. Obviously, you mentioned about the the, the run there and the run on a bit now. And obviously, you got a good, not got a new gaffer as well, haven't you? Yeah, um, it was a the managerial process was a bit of a shock to be honest, because obviously the experienced names came in first. Um, one that MK Sports will know, Liam Manning. He was a front runner for quite a way after all the stuff about Liam Richardson and uh, Chris Wilder that all dropped off eventually. But we ended up with John Massinho, who was um, one of the main coaches at Oxford, and apparently he was essentially going to be groomed for, to be their next manager after um, Carl Robinson, and obviously that didn't happen in the end because we poached him. And yeah, a lot of people at first were obviously under underwhelmed or perplexed was probably the right word. They looked at him and thought, oh God, there's no experience there. What sort of style of football does he like? Is he being thrown into the deep end too early in the season? Is the season dead already? Which... 
I mean, one winning 15 in the league at that time was almost confirmed it playoffs-wise. But no, things have turned around very well. Um, it hasn't all been brilliant, but it's been a very positive run of form, beating the teams we should be beating, losing to, losing to better opposition, but not disgracing ourselves in any way. Style of football slowly getting there, and then some few a few useful additions in January. So it's I'm glad there's actually something to fight for in April because uh, for ages no Pompey fan actually thought that that would actually happen. Yeah, yeah, I say you're on exact same run of form and same points as us from the last four games. So um, I think our, our turns of form have, have been pretty, uh, oh, very similar, of course. But you mentioned about the style of play um, that the new gaffers introducing. What, how would you describe that style of play is? Uh, in a stereotypical way, simple football, but not simple as in very direct. Pompey have been lining up usually in a in a four three three or a four two three one. Um, near the end of Danny Cowley's reign, I think it was all panic. There was changing, changing the starting eleven every two minutes, changing the formation, going to a back three, then a back four. Um, but no, it's been a rather settled time. Um, it's helped that loads of people come back from injury as well. Um, but usually it, it's playing out from the back, but not solely doing it. Um, it's very it's very dependent on what opposition we play. Um, so the ball often goes around, around, the, around the back four. Always look for have a, a deeper playmaker, if it's a tunny clear for a pack in a 4-3-3, for example, to collect the ball in between the centre halves. And then usually it's just try and switch the play quickly along the floor, but then also rely on, well, our only outlet is Colby Bishop. So providing him with chances in any way possible, whether it be crosses or through or through balls, it's uh, quite dynamic. But the main thing is Pompey usually have good games whenever they can control the midfield. Um, they got no pace to counter-attack really. So that's the main thing. If Pompey are on top and control the midfield, they can sort of dictate the game. But uh, even though they're solid defensively, sometimes they can't really counter-attack with very much pace, to be honest. Yeah, I think um, a Don's game is pretty much counter-attacking at the moment in terms of going forward. So it's a pretty nice little contrast of styles, I think, going into this game on, on a good Friday in terms of yeah, Pompey wanting to control the game away from home, but Don's looking to uh, get a little breaks in the possession and uh, hopefully try and counter-attack and get some goals. But I mean, it's uh, I mean, look, I'm looking at Pompey's away record for the season now, Fred, and actually pretty decent you know obviously level with Plymouth and 28 points away from home obviously your home form maybe hasn't been as desired as you'd like to be this season but your away form has been solid overall yeah we, dro we dropped a lot of points at home not by losses really it's by drawing games that we shouldn't have drawn I think many people thought Port Vale was a classic example where they went they went 2-0 up two defensive errors were fairly poor but then played how we expected to play, took it back to two all, but then could, weren't didn't have the, enough quality to take it over the line. That's basically the story of the season at Fratton Park, where it, we play relatively well overall most of the time, but then it'd just be an individual defensive error to make it like a one all. With a, I shudder to think how many one all draws we've had this <laughs> season. There's been an awful lot of them. It reminded me of reminded me of Sunderland all those years ago in League One, where they just drew nearly every single game under Jack Ross. But away from home, it's honestly just been stereotypical, solid away performances. We haven't controlled the game sometimes an awful lot. I think an example was recently was uh, away to Cambridge United, where they had most of the chances they should have beaten us by quite a way. We weren't really at the races. 
But then we had three chances and took all of them and, and Bishop got on the score sheet. So that's usually the plan in that run. That's probably why uh, the away record is what it is. There's been a lot of games where probably just got the job done, really. Good stuff. And in terms of, um, I should have been a, a few familiar names that Don's fans will know from playing Pompey at least two times this season already at Fratton Park. But who are some who are some standout players to watch out for for this game? They've mentioned a few names already. Uh, there's been some changes in January. There's been four of them, four ins. The one who's played most games, he might not play against NK Dons, but the one who's came and had an immediate impact, Riley Towler, centre half who was on loan at. AFC Wimbledon, but obviously of Bristol City. He slotted on the left side next to Sean Raggett very well. A proper ball playing centre-half, but he's still young at 20. He's still got a long way to go. Pompey might play Clark Robertson instead, but that's fair enough. He's been a big miss. Uh, changing goal, Matt Macy, ex-Luton. We got him on loan from Luton. He also played for Plymouth as well, I believe. Standard shot stopper. Um, I'd say he's a. I'd say he's above average at that. His distribution isn't brilliant. He can be up quite slow out with his feet, but that's a much more solid addition than Josh Griffiths, I believe. So he has much more confidence to that back four. Uh, there's been Deshaun Bernard who hasn't played that much. Another ball playing centre from Manchester from Manchester United on loan, and Paddy Lane hasn't really hit the ground running either. So really, a lot of players who have come back in from injury have changed this. Changed an awful lot. Last game, we had the dream centre midfield free in a 4-3-3, probably for about half an hour, where it was Marlon Pack, Tom Lowry and Joe Morell. And I mean, I can't think of many units of midfield that's better than that in the league, and I'm not exaggerating. It's just the fact we barely had that all season because of injury. I mean, there are better players, obviously, Barry Bannon. You could probably argue George Byers as well, the centre midfielders. But when those three midfielders are ticking... They tick all the boxes. They're, they're, they're solid defensively. They can drive play when they want. They can get stuck into a tackle. They don't get pushed over. And it helps control the play a lot more. And um, another big player who's come back, Joe Rafferty, who was injured. He's our right back. Um, gets up and down really well. He played for Preston in the Championship for a lot of seasons. And you can tell he's played at a higher level, which definitely helps. And he's helped with the service to Colby Bishop, who's the obvious name. And I think... How many goals has he scored this season? Probably about 23, I think. Uh, yeah, too many, too many. <laughs> <laughs> too many, yeah. I think he scored 23. Yes, he has. And in all comps, with five assists as well, he's going to be a hassle for whoever's marking him. Um, I assume in your back three, you'll just put Jack Tucker on him and he'll just hold, him, likely, for about, yes. he'll hold him for about 90 minutes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, he, he'll be the main man to stop. And who he scores all sorts of goals. There's a fair few penalties in there, but it doesn't matter. He can have those quiet spells and then just appear in a in a pocket of space in the penalty area. And most of the time he scores. He's up there with his expected goals. He's not below it. He's right on line as well. So those are the main weapons, really. It's a solid middle of the midfield, a 20-goal-plus season striker, and then a back four that's quite solid but slow in the transition, if that makes sense. Whenever they're passing the ball from the left back to the right back through the centre-halves, it's quite slow. So if you've got Mo Iser or you've got Jonathan Lecco or Conor Grant pressing really high, then that may cause us some problems. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of a lot of Don's fans uh, wanted Bishop in the summer, um, but the club weren't willing to pay the money. And obviously he's gone to Pompey, but he would pay the money and done pretty well. So, you know, it just shows you that 
sometimes you pay a pay a bit of an overmarket value for a striker, and it, but if they, if they deliver, it sort of matters. And I think uh, with, with Colby, I think half a million pounds or just over was probably the right valuation of him, given he had one year left. I'm still surprised Accrington the season before. I know they were sort of pushing for the playoffs at the time, but I think they rejected 1.4 million from a championship side. Wow. Which I think was slightly early. I think it shows a lot that he's gone to a team who have proven to create more chances for their strikers and he's taken it with open arms. You can look at Dion Charles as well at Bolton and he's yeah. having an absolute flyer scoring in the um, the pizza final as well. So no, Carl Bishop's a proper danger man. Uh, we haven't got a lot of depth behind him. So if he's injured, we're in for a lot of issues. <laughs> but um, yeah, we just hope he doesn't get injured for until the rest of the season. And yeah, like I was waiting to see what club Paddy Lane would move to. Obviously, he's gone to Portsmouth, and uh, yeah, I'm keen to see how he gets on there. Um, obviously, I, I think believe he's season... injured at the moment, um, so you won't see him. Um, unfortunately, he hasn't. But... Re- he hasn't really hit the ground running as much, to be honest. He's been pl- he's been played in all pretty much all positions in the three behind the striker. Played in the middle, played on the left and the right. He says he prefers the right. He just hasn't clicked really. His his production for the strikers has been quite poor he's been knocked off the ball an awful lot hmm. and he just hasn't hit the ground running he's only young and he's got a long deal um i think i think he might need a pre-season it's just been, a lot of little factors culminating there so you have to deal with owen dale and him chopping on it from his left foot to his right foot about four times before he puts a cross in you'll just have to deal <laughs> with that instead yeah no i'm sure after a pre-season um He'll be well. I think he'll be fighting for a starting space in that Pompey team for sure. Um, he's he's a very good. T- he's a very talented player, as we all know from his time at his time at Fleetwood. So I'm sure we'll translate that for you guys next season, hopefully. But before we let you go, Fred, um, I know you're not going to be there on Friday because of work. But how do you see the game at Stadium K going on Friday? Oof, there's depends how we set up. But like I said earlier, if we set up in the midfield three. I don't see how we uh, how we take less than a point, and it's crunch time. To be honest with you, we're three points off sixth place. I think the only we can only afford maybe to draw one game in our previous games. I think we had to win at least win all of them since we're slightly behind. The team's clicking quite well, even though people say that the Forest Green performance wasn't enough, but we're in control for the entire game. Created look at a lot of chances by the analytics, just didn't really take them. So if we provide Bishop with the service, I think we'll be fine against St. Cadons. My only worry is it depends how they play, to be honest, because obviously with Tucker and Lewington in the in the back three, that's a fairly solid three centre-halves. So they can sit back and cover the penalty area, make things difficult for Bishop up front on his own where he doesn't get many chances. And then you've just got pace in the wide areas with Isoleko and Grant. That can exploit our back four quite reasonably well with pressing. I personally still like Josh McEachran as a as a playmaker, but I'm not I'm not sure what you think of him nowadays. Uh, it... <laughs> I think I think we'll save that question for your podcast, mate, because obviously I'll be jumping on there a little bit. <laughs> yeah, later I know, I know, but I I still like him. He can control the midfield in the right scenario sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. But no. I'm going to have to be positive now because we were jo- me and my mates were joking after Saturday, after being cynical for ages, saying the playoffs is on and nobody wants to admit it, but they kind of wink and say, oh, it could be, it could be. So if I was being positive, I'd probably go for a two, one Pompey win. Really? Yeah. If I had to choose, um, 
Colby Bishop with a brace because he's probably the only person who scores for us most of the time. Yeah, I feel so, like yeah. it'd be a game of a uh, be a game of cat and mouse. This one, you know, who can uh, who could basically bait each other out so we're making a mistake, and then obviously I think both teams have got players up, up top that can capitalise on it on the day. So uh, yeah, it'd be an interesting one uh, for sure. But uh, thank you very much, Fred, for coming on to the podcast. Um, you know, I'll be going, I'll be going to the PO forecast also to give my thoughts on Don's for the Pompey channel. So please make sure to check those guys out uh, after you listen to this. But Fred, thanks again. Oh, no worries at all. And uh, yeah, I'll see you on the PO forecast in about an hour and a half. <laughs> see you then. <laughs> thanks again to Fred from the PO, for- PO forecast for coming on. Um, if you want to check out my feature on there, please do. Uh, that'll be out probably the same time as this out, to be fair. Um, Duffy, um, back at CNK on Friday. Um, bit of a weird one, not being a Saturday. But what do you reckon about Pompey? Uh, a team going for the playoffs, only three points off now. Um, had a bit of a recent turn in form, but yeah, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was I was speaking to Joe, I think it was last weekend, and I was looking at their away the away record going into this game, and I think that, I think it was like fifth or sixth um, best in the league. So there are no mugs on the road, but um, yeah, they've had a few freak results in terms of like I think they drew um, against Oxford at home, and I think that's what's letting them down at the moment, their home form. But by no accounts, there are no mugs in this league. Um, I think we know what, what we get with them. Um, we've got some really top players like Dane Scarlett, um, Morrow, as you say, um, Marlon Pack, all players which can hurt us. And um, I believe they've been back by like what four thousand on the road, so there'll be a big, big, big crowd in the away end. And we Can't know wait. what Dons are like in with big crowds in the away end. <laughs> um, I'm hoping I jinx it. <laughs> um no but yeah they're a really good team and um as i say you know what you get with pompey um they'll ma- i think i think they will match us in terms of uh, trying to play through the lines um and i'm really intrigued going into this game because of I, I do believe this is a whole different type of test compared to what wickham were um pompey try and get the ball down and try and play football obviously wickham were pretty direct from what we saw on Saturday also. Um, I just feel this would be a proper tough game and I think we will have to be clinical in front of goal, but also at the back, really resolute and um, strong at the back. Yeah, Joe, I, I described this game to Fred as a bit of a game of cat and mouse. Um, and I think we're going to have to be the, the mouse in the situation and try and capitalise on on Pompey's, well, probably want to dominate the ball, particularly their midfield three, and um, try and pass through us, whereas... Obviously now of our counter-attacking setup of with Grant Lecker and Mo, um, you know, we're looking to try and catch him on the break. Do you reckon that's a fair assessment of it all? Yeah, and I think I think um a lot of their games in, in recent weeks, you know, it's been Bishop has basically been the key because I don't think they've been particularly dominant in the, in many of the games. Uh, I think they've been good, but I think it's been, you know, Bishop who's basically been the difference in a lot of the games. And I know they've scored quite early. Uh, in a few games, which is a definitely a good quality tab, um, but I think they've been able to be to rely on you know the defensive line of Riley Towler and Raggett quite heavily because uh, Towler came in, I believe he was at our friends in Southwest London in the first half of the season, um, and he was recalled from Bristol City and duly sold to Portsmouth. So, um, I mean, thanks for that, Portsmouth. Obviously, Wimbledon had a great second half of the season, so that's always nice to see. Um, I think yeah, it's a, it's a very talented Portsmouth team, and I think 
although they may not be purring on all cylinders, you know, they've got danger and they've got dangerous players who can cause us issues. Um, you know, last couple of games, I think they um, they, they narrowly beat um, Forest Green. They only had 11 shots in that game, but, you know, Forest Green had five. So I think, you know, they're just going to be trying to keep it tight, um, you know, and if they get their goal, I think they're quite happy to just sort of sit on it. Maybe like we were in previous weeks, uh, you know, we saw that once we got our goal, we were quite happy to just see it out as such. Um, I remember when they actually went away to Accrington, Accrington outplayed them, even though Accrington had 10 men. So, I def- again, I definitely think they are there to be got at. Um, I know I say this about most teams, but I think that, you know, if anything, it's the talent that's, the talent that's winning the games for Portsmouth rather than them playing well, if that makes sense. Yeah, they've conceded more goals away from home than they've scored um, this season. Uh, conceding 24, scoring 23. So, yeah, there's definitely a chance. Um, I think Wickham was more like. Where do we rank on that one, Liam? Ah, uh, I can't find it somehow, <laughs> mate. That's, that's oh, after the recording. Yeah. Is it not um, on the. Oh, no. <laughs> what a shame. Um, but no, I mean, I think Wickham was a more likely three points, but there's a chance. There's definitely a chance here. Um, I mean, what do you reckon in terms of score predictions, Duffy? Do you reckon we've got a. I went 1-1, one, one, so I don't know what, I know what you think. But um, I went 1-1 one, one, one as well. Oh, I do feel surprise. like, um, like typical Dons normally do, 1-0 up. I, I do feel like we'll go 1-0 up and we'll concede quite late on. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me um, with Dons, especially when we do have big crowds, crowds at home. Uh, we always get the hype and then late on, uh, it's, you just see limbs in the away end. You're like, oh, there it was. <laughs> no, but I'm as I say, like because we've got a point on the road against Wickham, these next next two fixtures we've built a cushion for ourselves. And I'm not saying that as I say they're free hits, but they're games. What I'm I'm thinking, well, I don't feel like we're going to get our points out of these next two. Um, I think obviously we'll, all eyes will be on the that Cheltenham Cheltenham game. So um, I think if we are to get anything from these games, I'll be really chuffed, and um, it'll be a massive point towards safety. Um, but yeah, one all for me, I think. Absolutely, mate. And I think that the next game against Derby on Easter Monday is another massive one. Um, obviously, you haven't been there in since championship season. We went 1-0 uh, thanks to lovely free kick from Jake Forstakowski, um, which is a fantastic day. And I'm sure everyone that went was uh, had the same emotions regarding that. But um, I'll hand it over to my conversation with, with Jake from Rams Talk. Did you ever think about the Rams? Hello and welcome back to the second opposition overview of the episode. Obviously, just had Hugh on um, from the Pompey game, but now we've got uh, Jake Barker on from Rams Talk to what Derby. So, uh, Jake, how are you doing? I'm very good, thank you, Liam. Thank you very much for having me on. How are you, mate? No, worries. I'm all good, mate. Yeah, I say it's uh, Monday. We're going to some Monday night, aren't we? So it's uh, a bit ahead of time. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's always good to get him in early. Uh, obviously, you're a first time on to the podcast, so chat to everyone about about Rams Talk and what you guys do over there. Oh, so Rams talk. It's I, I usually call it independent. It's not independent anymore. We're with you guys there in yeah, the talk yeah. sport land. Uh, but we're we're just a group of lads. Um, we we have an episode every Sunday where we review whatever games have happened throughout the week. And yeah, we do a preview show before every single fixture, um, as its own entity. And yeah, yeah, all good fun. Just a group of people having a laugh, waffling about Derby, and yeah, having a good time. Are you off to uh, Forest Green on Friday? I'm not. I'm working. Working oh, for some boom. bizarre reason, we're working on the Friday, uh, and we're That's off Monday, Tuesday. I know it's disgraceful, isn't it? Um, but yeah, yeah, not going, not going. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a rent overseas, and it's a, it's an interesting place. I'll give it that. <laughs> um, yeah, I've heard there's like one pub. <laughs> uh, like that. Yeah, that sounds about right, and it's not the best. <laughs> <laughs> but it's done the tick, so it's, it's off the list now. It's happy days. <laughs> um, right, chat to you about Derby. Obviously, just as the playoffs currently, obviously with Forest Green on Friday, you'd hope you'd beat them. Um, but for, obviously, it hasn't played yet, so we'll throw that to a side. But how, how have you found your season so far? I mean, you must be fairly pleased with where you are currently. I know it's been a tough run recently, but overall... Yeah, it's been a weird season. Um, if people don't know, I'm, I'm sure Derby fans have moaned about it enough. Uh, we we do have pretty much a transfer ban. Uh, we can only sign free agents. We've got a wage cap from the EFL, which is I think eight grand a week, and then including bonuses, it's twelve grand, which I know is a lot for a lot of clubs in League One. But obviously, compared to what we'd be able to offer, is is relatively small. Um, and yeah, we we just had our hands tied. Basically, we we had four players at the end of last season still contracted. We've brought in about fifteen. Um, we've got loads of gaps in the squad, but we've somehow made it work. Uh, we had Liam Rossini as our manager, who's obviously doing okay at Hull now. Um, and we played quite slow, quite laborious football. It won us some games, but it was very slow. Um, and we hadn't scored a goal away from home in five attempts. Um, Paul Warren came in, changed the style. First game, won 2-0 away at Cambridge and, and away we went. And, you know, we've, we've, we're quite unlucky. I think at the time of recording, we're in seventh. Uh, you know, we've been top six for majority of the season since Warren came in. We had an incredible 19 game on beat and run in all competitions, which I think was 15 in the league, uh, where we won nine of those. So uh, our big problem, uh, I don't know if you're going to ask about this later, so I'm sorry if you are, uh, but our big problem is we've got such a tiny squad. Uh, we brought a lot of players in. As I said, we've got a lot of gaps. We don't actually have a right back in the squad. Um, we only have one fit centre-back in the squad. The other one's 38-year-old Curtis Davis, who, unlike Dean Lewington, uh, he, he's not got much in the way of legs and he struggles <laughs> a little bit. Um, so we've got a lot of holes in a lot of places, but we're we're making things work as best we can. Yeah, it sounds like a very, very interesting season. Um, and, yeah, I mean, watching it from afar, I mean, obviously, I think I saw, I think I saw your squad before, having a transfer and I thought you know, you've got a good chance here obviously I've been a fan of Louis Sibley for ages mm. I think Max Bird's a very good player um and you know obviously you're always going to get decent plays in against someone like Dave McGoldrick in, and obviously being his streaky self getting 16 goals this season in the league um it's proven you're right but how have you found Paul Warren since you joined obviously Don's fans are doing well from last season with Rotherham side how have you run into them um but what have you found him like yeah he seems honestly like the nicest guy um, I think he he's changed the culture of the club a little bit. Uh, before it was it was very internal. Uh, we had uh, going back a couple of years now. We had Philip Koku as our manager, um, and then when he was sacked, he was replaced internally by uh, Wayne Rooney and Liam Rossidia and Shay Given, and then it was <laughs> finally given to Wayne Rooney with Rossidia as his assistant. Wayne Rooney obviously goes and leaves and then Rossidia steps up. So I think he, he was the first outside appointment we'd had in probably four or five years. Um, and it, it's made a huge difference. It's changed the culture of the club completely. Uh, I think beforehand, you know, it was very, we we're trying to play beautiful football. And at times we really did. Uh, some of the goals that we scored, some of the performances we had, uh, young Aaron Cashin at centre-back, he broke the record for the number of passes completed in a game at Shrewsbury away. He completed 124 passes in 90 minutes. Uh, 
but the problem is we drew that game nil nil uh, <laughs> and that was the problem and, and Warren's come in and he's made us more direct uh we're quicker we attack with pace or at least we did until about four games ago um you know we, we've got as you said we've got McGoldrick and he's been sort of leading the line up front he causes defenders no ends of issues and that gives space for players like Nathaniel Mendes Lang Tom Barkays and Lewis Dobbin to sort of run round him and runners from midfield as well and yeah we've got three players that have 14 or over goal involvements this season um which you know is is not bad at all considering one of them's a centre mid as well so yeah he's he's made us more dangerous he's made us more attacking we've won 5-0 a couple of times McGoldrick scored three hat-tricks this season <laughs> you know, so we 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 do some good stuff um but I think in recent weeks, with regards to Warren, I think he's got it wrong a couple of times, to be honest. I think the majority of Derby fans would agree. I think he's made some decisions uh, that don't make a lot of sense, and it has ended up costing us. But as as you all know, um, it happens with every manager. They all make mistakes. But yeah, he's he's only been good for the club so far. Yeah, and I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts on Conor Hurahan? Because obviously, you know, in the league, seven goals a season, nine assists. I think a lot of people were, I wouldn't say surprised, but when he, when he joined Derby, everyone was like, oh, okay, that's, that's a big sign, and that is, because he's a championship player. So to get someone like him in, obviously we played Lewis Wing um, on the weekend against Wickham, and I expected him to be a championship player also. So he must have been revolutionary for the field this season. It's quite bizarre, actually. I think he, he arrived with so much, I guess, fanfare and expectation. He's probably one of our most underrated players. Uh, you know, up until probably fairly recently, a lot of people were saying, drop him, you know, him really? and Bird, wow. people were saying him and Bird can't play together, um, which in all fairness, they struggled under Rossini, but that was the first nine games. We've played about 20 something since then. And uh, people see him as a luxury player. He works really hard. He works really, really hard. Um, since Warren's come in, he's, he's got a lot fitter, uh, you, you know, how good his left foot can be. And yeah, like you said, he, he scores goals. He sets goals up. He takes set pieces. He's put in some beautiful set pieces this season and he wins his points, you know, from, from central midfield. And he's operated as, you know, further forwards. He's operated in holding midfield. He's, he's just a good player and he seems an all round good lad as well. Uh, I think when Rossini was signing players, he said he only wanted to sign players that fit the team and fit the club and fit what he wanted to build. Um, and he's brought in players that are all nice players, which is to our detriment sometimes. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's a good lad, Conor Horahan. And yeah, hopefully, I think he's, he's what? It's, it's a lot of goal involvements, isn't it? And, and I think yeah. he's 16, yeah. Yeah, if he, alone. Could, if he could hit the double-double, I think that would be a, yeah, a special season for him. Yeah, well, so we know we know firsthand how important it is to have those goals in midfield. Um, and we had a player who hit double-double last season, Scott Twine, so... Yeah, it, it is. It really is the key to like having a chance of promotion, having goals that aren't just from your striker. And, and luckily for you guys, you've got a goal scoring midfielder and a goal scoring striker. So if you can get your defence sorted, hey, you never know. You could be uh, into those playoffs and in a pretty strong position. <laughs> but obviously, those playoffs are are looking very tasty. Uh, obviously, it's currently Ipswich, Barnsley, Bolton, and Peterborough. Obviously, we're hoping Sweet sells in there at some point. You're out, outside in goal difference at the moment. If it if it ended like it was and say you finished um say sixth I said a Peterborough how do you fancy a chance in that in those playoffs? Uh, to be honest, we probably get battered. Um, it, it's it's very weird. Um, I mean, if you'd asked me oh, probably ten games ago, I'd say we'd probably have pushed for automatics. 
And now, you know, I think we've got four wins in 15 or something like that, which is ridiculous considering how well we were doing. We've run out of legs and it's really showing and it's really coming up. As I mentioned, you know, we've got players at the back that are playing a lot of games. We've got a lot of young players. Um, It's mentioned all the time. We've only got three players that age between 23 and 29 and two of them are goalkeepers. (laughs) <laughs> every other player is either under 23 or over 29 and that's part of the problem is that a lot of the older players are quite burnt out a lot of the younger players you know they've played a lot of games they've played what like 30 something games and you need to be able to take them out they need breaks out of the team and I think Aaron Cashin is the biggest sufferer of that I think he's still the highest rated player in, on who scored in the league um, with like a 7.4 rating or something like that which is ridiculous it's his first full season in football yeah. Um, but at the same time, in recent weeks, he's starting to, you know, he's making mistakes, he's making errors, and we're relying on a lot of young players to deliver week in, week out, and it's tough. Um, so yeah, I think you know, you never say never. If we did get into the playoffs, I think we'd give it a really good go. And I back every single one of these players to put everything in, but I think it'd be a, a really tough ask because I mean you, you talked about Ipswich and Barnsley and and teams like that in recent weeks, they've just really stepped it up and shown their class. Yeah, I think the difference is with your squad and maybe some of theirs is that you have those players who, the big players who have won playoff campaigns before. So you, you, I think you've got more of a chance than you think you do. But yeah, I think you're right. It's about getting that form back. And those four wins against were against Oxford, Cheltenham, um, Morecambe and Charlton, who aren't exactly well beat as hard, let's be honest, especially not in League One. Um, but that might be well for you. Obviously, you've got, so you've got Forest Green Easter Friday. You've got us um, on Easter Monday. So, you know, two teams down the bottom who, on paper, you should beat. Do you reckon you will? I hope so. I know that's a cop-out answer, but I, I really do hope so. Um, I think it's hard to have too much confidence because we are in a pretty pretty horrendous run of form. Um, we, it doesn't, you know, we don't know where the next goal's coming from. Uh, we've got James Collins up front. He's scored probably one goal in open play in his last, what, 15, 16 games. Um, McGoldrick's goals have dried up. He keeps dropping deeper and deeper to try and get involved. And all of our wide players look absolutely exhausted. Mendes Lang looks, you know, he looks spent, um, which is really sad because for the whole season, he's been unbelievable, but he looks really tired now. Um, So, yeah, I, I think, to be honest, I'd really hope that we've got the quality. I know, obviously, Forest Green are really struggling. You guys have got some decent players. Um, that as as you said on on our podcast earlier because we're recording back to back, you know you said that they were in playoff campaigns. They've clearly got the quality. It's just not been their season. So yeah, I, I'd I'd like to think our quality had shined through. I'd like to think we'd be able to get three points off off both. And I think we need to. I think if we don't, we'll be in a really bad situation um, because Peterborough. You know, if Peterborough win the next two games, it could be out of reach already. So, yeah, I, I really do hope so. And uh, if the team turn up, I don't see why not. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a dogfight towards top of the table and bottom, of course. Um, I'll, I sincerely hope that by the time April turns around, we're in, we're in decent spots in terms of our various positions <laughs> in the league. But I hope so too. <laughs> I, I have a funny feeling that won't be the case. <laughs> um, but no, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast, Jake. Um, I said, please plug Rams talk one last time we head off. Oh, thank you so much, Liam. Yeah, Rams Talk Podcast. You can catch us on uh, Spotify, Apple Music, any of the streaming sites, really. Um, and if you do like video content, 
Uh, you can catch us on YouTube. We do loads of polls and interaction on uh, Twitter, which is at Rams Talk Pod. Uh, loads of the Ipswich fans didn't like it, so they've harassed us for the last week. So if oh, you guys want to come and be nice, that'd be great. And I'm sure we'll be nice back. Yeah, it sounds about right for any big club, um, particularly <laughs> Ipswich. Yeah, yeah, I know a few fans there that are uh, questionable, to say the least. <laughs> but uh, thanks again, Jake. And hopefully we don't see you next season in terms of your sakes are going promoted. But I mean, worst case scenario, you're back on it next season anyway. So um, yeah, I'll see you then. <laughs> <laughs> see you later, mate. Cheers, Liam. <laughs> Thanks again to Jake for coming onto the podcast. Obviously, a first time here, so hopefully it was well. We might see him next season. Who knows? Depends on how Derby's end of the season goes, uh, and of course ours. Um, obviously, Ross, he, uh, Jake mentioned about you know he's a bit worried about the club's playoff chances. Um, certainly got a lot of quality players in the squad, but maybe not enough of them in in many senses. But um, it was Derby very strong home record? Um, I, I'm not too confident about this one. I don't know what you think. I said this at the start of the season about the depth of their squad. About the the, the they've got a quite um, older squad compared to others, and sometimes it it works massively for you, and then sometimes like in this situation, it just doesn't. And I'm not saying that obviously as you say they're going through a sticky patch that that they're finished, but I think having just just that extra legs in in the middle of the pitch or in the middle of the park and up top, um, just got just basically brings you over the line. And I think that's what the other teams in the, in these playoff spots have. And But I, f- I do feel like Derby have a secret weapon, and that's the fans. Um, Pride Park, It's I've been, what, three or four times now, and every time is it has been a really good uh, place to go in terms of just the atmosphere. And um, I'm sure that, obviously, um, Easter Monday, all, all their fans will be out. So I expect a 20 plus K attendance, obviously sold out away end. Um, Come uh, on. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, it's, it's going to be a really tough place to go. Um, a lot of teams do struggle. I know obviously Fleetwood went there and done that, done, uh, got a result 2-0, I think it was. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're no mugs. Um, they've got some really top players like Hulahan, Magoldrick, as you say. Um, and players which can hurt us. So overall, I'm not too confident. Confident, and if I was to pick between the two, I'd probably edge towards the Pompey game for points. Um, but yeah, this one's on the on the roads more more about how many beers I'm going to be consuming on Easter Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll be on the same boat as you for that one, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean the trend of Derby season recently has just been beating the bad teams and losing to the good ones, really, um, excluding maybe Fleetwood, you know. Losing to Ipswich, losing to Peterborough, beating Oxford, losing to Plymouth, losing to Barnsley. You get the idea. I mean, Joe, in terms of your your derby thoughts, mate, and maybe a score prediction, how do you see this one going? Yeah, no, I think um, derby is going to probably be the harder of the two games. Uh, lot of experience but then again you know two games in four days for that experienced squad it might stretch them a little bit thin um but they've definitely got the quality and their home record is absolutely fantastic so yeah it is you know i thought we actually played quite well against derby at home um so yeah i think you know i think i do think derby probably will win um however you know i think that the game recent game against fleetwood and their all round recent form off does offer some encouragement but um, perhaps just a little step too far for us yeah i think i tend to agree mate which is uh it's unfortunate but you know it's uh unfortunately 
you have to lose at some point. Um, and I think that, that could be the game that we potentially drop points in. Right. Obviously, it's not just a Don happening at the weekend. We do have one of the major golf tournaments, the Masters, going on. Um, really exciting, a really interesting weekend, actually, the weather. Um, it's going to be an absolute, well, apparently Saturday is a complete write-off, so it might go into Monday, but um, I thought I'd grab I thought I'd grab Duffy for a quick quick five minute chat on on the Masters ahead of who who he's liking and what he, what he thinks of the whole weekend. So uh, Ross, I'll let you start with uh, who you fancy in the tournament overall and uh, yeah, what you reckon basically. So what I've done is I've picked, I've got a player to win and a little dark horse for for the punters out there. Um, to, I think my my favourite is Jander Shoffley. I feel um, in recent tournaments he he's starting to pick up form. Um, if he improves on the greens, he will be there, thereabouts, I, I believe. Um, and then the dark horse, um, he he normally is round about there on finals day, on the final day anyway. But Patrick Reed, um, when when he gets going, he, I think um, the crowd obviously the crowd will love him. Um, I just feel like again he'll be he'll be another one down the neck. I didn't want to pick. Your, your your usuals obviously McElroy, Scheffler, um, Ram. So I went I went more value pick more than anything. Yeah, it's hard not to back Scotty to be honest. He he is just ridiculously good. I know he's a favourite, but he's a favourite for the reason. He's just he's a crazy player. Um He he was beaten in the Dell match play, so he was, he was to be fair to him. So he's yeah. not unbeatable. <laughs> yeah, good old Sam Burns. Um yeah, I I've I mean, considering it's gonna be terrible weather the whole weekend, I've I've gone very English with my predictions, uh, my picks. So I've got I've got English ones and Aussies actually. So yeah, in terms of English ones, I've I've got I've got many on Fleetwood uh, and Justin Rose. Um, I think Fleetwood, you know, only some Fleetwood is can he drive the ball far enough? But everything else, this game is really good. So I'll happily you know if that's the one thing he's struggled against, and I think he can maybe overcome that. And yeah, Rose again. I think he's just really good in bad conditions, and it's going to be bad this weekend, particularly on a Saturday. Um, and then yeah, in terms of the Aussies, um, Jason Day. Uh, I think he's really, really strong pick this weekend. Um, it's always up there. So whether he can get those two, two or three more shots compared to the field and win it overall. Um, and yeah, and a live guy, Cam Smith. I think obviously he he's won it previously. Um, he's used to shit weather. And he's got points to prove end of the day. He but he's been ill. He's been ill recently, hasn't he? Ah, flu game. Come on. You know, you know about the um, flu game. I, here's a bold statement. I don't believe a lot of the LIV players will actually make the cut. Yeah, it's, it's um, honestly, it's been more bust. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I, I just believe that the LIV, the, the, the PGA Tour is so much more competitive um, in just in terms of the scores. Um, and the, in the LIV, I just feel like it's an absolute doddle. And you can see that they're playing, just all playing for the money for the sake of it. Yeah, no, it, I completely agree. It's been more busting. He'll either he'll either be up there or he'll miss the cut, yeah. But I just have a feeling that of all of them, Cam Smith is still one of the best goal players in the world. And oh, yeah. he has a, he has a, I think he has a fantastic chance in these, these conditions to do well. Um, and yeah, there's Cam Young also, but... Um, is that again? That's a conditions play. Uh, Cam Young is just very good in these bad conditions, so um, there's a chance that out of all the Americans, he has a chance to uh, to get somewhere. But 
And I hope Patrick Cantley doesn't get anywhere near the top as well. Oh, so I've predicted him for the past two tournaments now. And if it's third time lucky and he goes on to win it, I'll be kicking myself. I'd, yeah, I don't, I don't want to jinx it, mate. But he is literally <laughs> like leading all the trends in terms of like par four and all that. So he was leading the trends on the Invitational, wasn't he? Well, it's same with Hovland, mate. Yeah. Like Hov- Hovland has a pretty good chance also, but I just, I don't think back myself to do it again. To be honest, I've heard myself too many times. <laughs> oh, it's dreadful. Um, I think that'll do us for the week. Um, thank you all for listening. I appreciate it's been a bit of a longer episode this week, but um, hopefully, because we're out with two fixtures, it's a bit more digestible for you guys. Um, yeah, please make sure you check out obviously all of our socials, PO4 guys, and the Rams Talk uh, gents over there. Um, hopefully, see you uh, against Pompey or against Derby. Uh, but until then, come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.